we've got two great men, two great failures. But after their failures, the lives of these two men go in different directions. Samson dies in enemy territory, alone, and a failure. David actually recovers. David actually goes on to become a better man and a better king. And he dies surrounded by family and friends, and he leaves a legacy. None of us can live without failure. What defines us is how we recover from our low points. At our rock bottom, do we turn to God and delve deeper into community, or do we isolate ourselves? Today, Nate Larkin joins Gary Wilkerson to talk about how we can choose a better path in the middle of our failure. Before we join them, though, we want to remind everyone that our 86 Seconds video devotionals offer an excellent way to pause during your day and reorient yourself with God's Word. You can learn more and sign up at worldchallenge.org. Each week, 86 Seconds devotionals and this podcast reach thousands of listeners with biblical encouragement and thoughtful commentary. We would not be able to create resources like this one without generous listeners like you. Please consider donating to power the mission and make World Challenge resources like this devotional and podcast possible. Now, here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Hey, I'm back with Nate Larkin. Uh, Nate, you have uh, written this amazing book called uh, Samson and the Pirate Monks. Um, Samson is the title of your book and, yeah. and, and, the, and the groups. Uh, so the story you tell in the book of Samson yeah. and David, do you mind unpacking that a little bit for I us? Because I think that's to. brilliant. I just I think that's so important. We, I know we touched on community being yeah. important, but that just so brings it to, yeah. it gives us the story of the Bible about the difference and the impact. Yeah, that, it, you know, um, I remember Samson from the, you know, color illustrations of Edgar Meyer's family Bible story book that my dad read from every morning during family devotions. And, and to me as a kid, he was really the ideal man, this guy with the fabulous physique and the great hair, you know, the guy who was invincible in battle and irresistible to women. Mm. And, uh, and I, you know, I remember thinking, you know, ah, someday I want to be like Samson. Uh, and Samson, he really was a messianic figure in the Bible. He's a major biblical figure. Uh, four entire chapters of the book of Judges uh, devoted to his story. That We know far more about him than we know about many others that are listed in the Roll Call of Faith. Uh, and his, his birth was announced by an angel, first to his mother and his father. And it was a time when Israel was under domination by the Philistines and needed a deliverer. So God sent Samson. So Samson grows up knowing that he's there to be a hero and a deliverer. Um, and uh, he, he does, I mean, he, he starts out in this amazing way where he kills a thousand Philistines in one day. Mm. Uh, nobody had ever done anything like yeah. that. And, and the Philistines were so terrified and the Israelites were so electrified that on that day, uh, Samson became the leader of Israel. And the Bible says that he went on to judge Israel for 20 years. Mm. As far as we know, uh, he did a decent job. Um, Sam, Samson uh, was a guy. So he, he's, he's the leader of Israel in all matters, civil, military, and religious. Mm. But Israel is under the domination of the Philistines. And the Philistines at this point actually uh, are, are maintaining their superiority with a very strict policy of gun control. So, so they've made it illegal for the Israelites to own 
metal in any form, right? So anyway, <laughs> so, so Samson, Samson's a guy who shows up for work at nine and uh, clocks in and does his job and clocks out at nine. For all we know, he, he did his job. But after five o'clock, Samson had this habit of disappearing. Um, uh, he would roam in the, uh, you know, in the neighborhoods of uh, of Canaanite villages, looking for trouble and excitement and female companionship. And um, so, at the age of forty, the wheels came off for Samson. He's in the girlfriend. Uh, he's in, he's he's in the bedroom of a, of a Philistine girlfriend, a woman who's already betrayed him twice. <laughs> You'd think it would have dawned on him that this is not a good relationship, but uh, he really, at this point, thinks he's bulletproof. Uh, she finally extracts from him the secret of his great strength, shaves his hair, and then calls. You know, wakes him up. Philistine, the Samson, uh, the, the uh, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. So, Samson gets to his feet to discover that his, his fabled strength has fled. So they overpower him, bind him with chains, gouge out his eyes, and take him to a prison where they put him to work serving their god, the god of grain. So there Samson is in the dark, walking in circles, in chains, doing the same thing every day, no hope of escape. But then one day, like a miracle, the door to that room opens. They take him out of the prison. They take him some distance away to a great temple, temple where there's a festival underway, the, the Philistine equivalent of Mardi Gras. So the cream of Philistine society is there. He can hear the crowd as they approach the building, you know, the roar that goes up as they bring him in to ridicule him. And Samson feels this surge of hope, this chance that he, this last chance to redeem his failed life. So with the help of an unsuspecting young boy, he finds his way to the two pillars that form the central structural support of the building. He breathes a quick prayer to God, pushes the, the pillars apart, the building collapses. The Bible says that Samson killed more Philistines in his death than he killed in his entire life. But yet, Samson died a failure. When Samson died, the Philistines still ruled Israel. So some years later, not that many, God sends another deliverer. No angels this time. Nobody suspects that the youngest son of Jesse is anything special until he's anointed by the visiting prophet. So like Samson, David enjoys spectacular early success, right, uh, against the Philistines. But then he goes on to do what Samson had never been able to do. He actually defeats the Philistines, mm -hmm. um, establishes the free and independent state of Israel with secure borders. He, he establishes a capital in Jerusalem. He leads a great revival in worship. David is a warrior. He's a poet. He's a musician. He's a king. He's a great man. And at about 40 years old, the wheels come off. Uh, he's alone in the city, hasn't gone with the army into the field for the spring campaign, happens to be on his roof when it's bath time for the neighbor lady, catches uh, a sight that lights a fuse, and within days 
he's committing adultery and then covering up that sin with murder. Mm-hmm. So we've got two great men, two great failures. Mm-hmm. But after their failures, the lives of these two men go in different directions. Samson dies in enemy territory, alone, and a failure. David actually recovers. David actually goes on to become a better man and a better king. Mm -hmm. And he dies surrounded by family and friends, and he leaves a legacy. Why? I'm convinced it's because David learned to recover. David recovered because he had... He had learned to do the things that make recovery possible. Mm. And Samson didn't recover because he'd never learned to do those things. So four simple ways in which their lives are different, and I think they account for their different ends. First, Samson was a loner, and David had friends. So here's Samson. He's this major biblical figure. We know we have so many stories about Samson. The Bible does not give us the name of a single friend. In fact, the only woman that is named, uh, the only you know associate aside from his family that's named is, is Delilah, the woman who betrays him, right? Mm-hmm. Aside from that, Samson doesn't have friends because Samson doesn't need friends. Mm-hmm. Samson's Samson. Samson's the strongest guy he knows, mm-hmm. right? Um, David is different. He begins his life alone, a lot of time in solitude in the fields, tending his father's sheep. But everything changed for David on the day that he met, John, uh, 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 the day that he killed Goliath. That's the day that he met Jonathan. So the Bible paints the scene. Here's the headless giant lying dead. Uh, the, 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 the Philistines in full flight. There's rejo- Everybody's high-fiving around the, the young hero. And then off to the side stands Jonathan, the crown prince, next in line for the throne. If Jonathan had any sense at all, he would have begun at that step to begin to take steps to isolate and eliminate David. But instead, he does something entirely different. He approaches David. <laughs> the first thing he does is he takes off his armor, and he, which is to say his defenses. Mm-hmm. He gives his armor to David. Mm-hmm. And then he takes his, his sword and his, his knife and his bow and his arrows, things that David could hurt him with. He gives those to David too. Mm-hmm. And then on the basis of that, friend, that vulnerability, he offers a friendship. Mm-hmm. David and Jonathan form a friendship that day that will save their life on both more than one occasion. And they form a covenant, a bond that outlives them both. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the first of many friendships for David. David, got that, the, the names of David's friends fill up pages of the Bible. It's three, it's 30, it's 300. He surrounds himself with, with, with losers, with desperados, with debtors, uh, and with giant killers and heroes greater than himself. And together they do what one man could never have accomplished. Mm. Right? So so here's the second difference between them. Um, Samson is a roamer and David is a home builder. Mm. So Samson, the Bible gives us many scenes of Samson's life, uh, but really no domestic ones. We don't see him at home hanging out with guys. Uh, we don't see him with family. 
uh, he's out usually behind enemy lines. He's in enemy neighborhoods, almost always alone. He does amazing things, but he does them all by himself. Yeah. It's striking to see the difference in the stories, the scenes from David's life. We see a couple of times when he's alone, but only a couple. Almost always when we see David, he is, if he's out, he is either in the middle of the throng or at the head of one. Interestingly, the first thing that David did when they captured Jerusalem was he built a house for himself there, a fine home suitable for, 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 for entertaining friends and building a family. David was home when he fell. Samson could have cried out for help when he fell, but it wouldn't have done any good because nobody knew where he was. When David fell, he could see home and home could see him. Home could see he was in trouble, especially one very good friend named Nathan who was able to come and confront him, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, another way that the two are different. Um, uh, uh, Samson was uh, a man of very few words, and David lived out loud. <laughs> so here, here's the amazing thing. In the Bible, all the major characters uh, pray a lot. Have you ever noticed that? Mm -hmm. They sing and they pray a lot. These big, long, you know, repetitive prayers. Mm -hmm. We've got Samson. We've got four chapters, one prayer, mm -hmm. that desperate God help me seconds before he died. Aside from that, hmm. Samson didn't talk to God. Samson really didn't talk to other people. Hmm. Samson kept it all in here, right? He was emotionally constipated, but he was a he was a strong, silent type. That was Samson, all in here. David was different. From the time he was a kid, you know, he he, he sang to God. And uh, excerpts from his, from his compositions and his journals make up most of the largest book of the Bible, mm -hmm. which, which he gave to Israel as their songbook. And here's the amazing thing. When you read the Psalms, more than half of the Psalms are laments. I was surprised to learn that because when I was growing up, the Psalms that we sang were only the happy, triumphant ones. Mm -hmm. We didn't sing about, you know, I... Um, I uh, God has betrayed me. Mm -hmm. God, uh, kill my enemies and their children. Right, right. right? Yeah. But whatever David was feeling, he said. Mm -hmm. He lived out loud. Got that. Yeah. like that. Um, I think Samson was blind long before his eyes. They took his eyes. Uh, David lost his sight briefly after looking into that blazing fire of lust. But he regained his sight because David really wanted to see. And I think the final difference between the two is that um, Samson made the big plays and David made the little plays. Samson did had feats of uh, conquest and bravery and strength that have never been duplicated. Nobody else has killed a thousand Philistines in one day. Nobody else has picked up the gates of a city and walked off with them. That's the kind of stuff that right. Samson did, right? Um, and, and I think that's why he had that surge of hope at the end of his life. Because, you know, he could, 
he thought, you know, he knew he was behind, but he thought he could come back. He'd always been able to come back on his own. Now, David was different. Um, David uh, only killed one Philistine on his first day. But David killed the right one, right? Yeah, good one. <laughs> okay. Um, David was tempted toward the grand gesture. We're told that toward the end of his life, he was, he was, uh, he was sitting in his house one day. He's playing with his grandkids. He's looking around. He's just so grateful for all that God has restored and all the blessing on his life. And, and suddenly it dawns on him that he's living in the finest house in Jerusalem, and God doesn't have a house. All God has is that box they used to carry around the desert. And David thinks, that's not right. God deserves the best house in Jerusalem. God deserves the best house in the world. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build the best house. For I get so excited. He's to, so he calls the architects. They design this great temple. He starts ordering building materials from around the world. And then at some point, he takes the idea to God. And God goes, eh, no. You know, thanks, but no thanks. I mean... It's not a bad idea, the temple, but you're not the guy to build it. Your son can build a temple. What you can do is go spend time with your boy. And that's all it took. David shut the project down immediately, laid everybody off, put all the materials in storage, and went and spent time with his boy. So, you know, I was 42 years old when it suddenly dawned on me as I looked into the life, the face of a very angry wife, that my childhood dream had come true. I had become Samson. I was a gifted guy. I had some promise. Uh, but I was living in the dark, walking in circles. I was in chains. I was blind. And if there was going to be any hope for me, I was going to have to A, admit I'm Samson, and B, somehow, find a way to learn to live like David. Boy, beautiful. Profound, wise, and uh, life transforming. If, we, if we'll listen to that story that you're telling there, it'll make a big difference. Nate, thank you so much. I'm really honored that you spent the time with us here today. How will we choose to face our failure, alone or looking up to God with good friends beside us? The changes necessary to face problems and moral failings in healthier ways may take time, but God will help and walk alongside us every step of the way. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hall-Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson podcast for more encouragement in your Christian walk. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.